Did you know that dogs can understand human emotions? They empathize with dog moms and well, all pet parents, offering comfort through their ability to read our moods. That's happiness, sadness, whether excited, tired, all of them. So welcome to the Dog Moms Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the Dog Moms Podcast, the show where we talk about all things dog related. I'm Amber and this is Chrissy. Hey everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us today because this is our one of our first episodes and we're just getting the ball rolling. We have a very special episode for you. So today we're actually going to interview someone that we know closely in the dog TV team. This is Stephanie Strackbine, the founder and owner of What Dogs Want, a canine enrichment center in Phoenix, Arizona which is one of the things we're very passionate about, canine enrichment. She has a canine enrichment center in Phoenix, Arizona. That's right. Stephanie is a certified family dog mediator and a canine behavior and enrichment specialist, which is so incredible. She has worked with dogs professionally since 2007 and has a degree in psychology from ASU. She's passionate about helping people understand their dog's needs and wants and providing them with fun and engaging activities that enhance their quality of life. She is our kind of person. Yeah, especially the enrichment part. She, uh, and believe it or not, like not just enrichment, but she's also grown this to be quite the platform for her. She's appeared on several media outlets. She's also appeared on several platforms. So not just, you know, in the dog world, but she's actually reaching out to so many more communities. She's well been all over dog TV and the Pause Go podcast, even discussing that power and importance of enrichment. And that's kind of something that we know of, but do we know the importance behind it? And so she's the ultimate dog mom along with us and we can't wait to chat more about it. Yeah, I'm so excited to have Stephanie. I have a lot of questions for her. I'm going to ask her questions about her center, her work, and we're going to make sure, of course, to get some tips for you guys, some of her best dog owner tips, maybe some extra enrichment games that we can play. And we also have some questions from our listeners at the very end of the show. So if you asked us a question, stay tuned so we can answer those questions for you at the very end of the show. Yes. And if you do have questions for us, whether it's this show, future shows or ideas, please, please, please follow us on social media, of course. But we also want to hear from you. So go to uh, dogmoms at dogtv.com and you can send us an email or you can go right to the dog TV site. And this is the coolest thing. You can actually record your voice and record a question right there on the website, even through mobile. So it's super easy to give us some of your ideas and questions for our show. Yeah, but before we get to the interview, I want to catch up with Chrissy and see what's going on with her dogs and how her dog mom life is going. So we're going to chat for just a little bit before we get to our amazing interview. Yeah, and you know, this is a chance for us to kind of tell you all more about who we are. We are so excited to bring on lots of different people and interview throughout this all different aspects of the dog world, whether you're a dog mom or in the industry, but also you know, we want to have you understand kind of where we come from in our life as well. So I'll get started. I own four dogs and we make up the Joy Crew. I have a mix of purebreds and rescues. So I, I love both ends of the spectrum. And together we do everything from TV and film to live performances, social media, but also on our free time, we like to compete in sports. We like Frisbee, agility. And I think my biggest passion is hiking. And I just came back from a hike, which is a very dog mom thing for me to do. What yeah, about you, Amber? I love that it's like about to storm outside and Chrissy's like... 
I'm going to go on a hike right before the storm. <laughs> We're going to squeeze that in. It's going to happen. Yeah, always, always. Um, so yeah, I have three dogs and two cats. I'm a dog and cat mom, which I'm very proud of, even though this is the dog mom show. Um, but my cats are basically like dogs too. So I'll say I have a five pet crew. And I also call my dogs the red dog crew because they're all red for some reason, which I, everyone always points out. If I put a picture up on social media, they're like, Amber, you clearly have a color scheme, which is very true. They're all the same color, but I've got two rescue mutts who are 10 and 12 years old. And then I've got whiskey, whiskey toller. If you guys are listening and you've seen photos of a dog who's very dramatic or videos of a overly, I don't even know, expressive dog. That's usually my dog, Whiskey. And I compete in agility with her. We do all sorts of dog sports. I love to do kind of anything with my dogs. And if I can't include my dogs, then I don't really want to do it. So I'm sure some of our listeners could probably agree with that and understand that because we are talking to dog people, right? And that's the truth of it. We really love to not only connect with the dogs we have, and this is how Amber and I even met. You know, it was kind of cool how we met. It was through social media, Right. And then it was Super Pet Expo. I think it no, was. So we actually met on set for something. Oh, that's right. We it were was, recording. Yeah. So like we oh, knew of yeah. each other, I think. It was a long time ago. But. It was social media. I followed you because I just loved your content and you just seem like a really happy, positive, nice, genuine person, oh, which is like thank you. very hard to find. And then you met her and she's terrible. And no, I'm kidding. You're, oh, I no. love you. Don't tell people that. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I love you like a best friend. Obviously she likes me enough to do a podcast with me. So I, <laughs> I was um, so yeah, was violently fun. sick on that set. I was so, that's the part she like is so nice to not bring up, but I was so violently ill on that set for Animal Planet. Hey, but do you know what? Chrissy, that's a great way to get to know someone really well, very quickly. So you're I not had to kidding. kind of step in and help you out there, but you're not it was kidding. Great. It was actually a really funny story because um, I had my dog Oakley working on this set for Puppy Bowl and he was the coach. He had to be this like serious guy. And I will never forget one of the first things Chrissy ever said to me was, oh my gosh, your dog is exactly like my dog. They must be like, they could be brothers. And she showed me a picture of Beasley, which is her rescue mutt. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> because they don't look alike at all. But now that I know Beasley and obviously we know each other's dogs, it makes a lot more sense because they are kindred souls. They both yes. have like, such similar personalities, but I will never forget you saying, oh, your dog reminds me so much of my dog. This is a picture. And I was like internally laughing, like, okay, sure. They don't look anything alike. And it was funny. Cause like that, that whole exchange of meeting each other, we were in the waiting room and mind, mind you, there's this whole like pen of puppies and it's really crazy. You just like brought Oakley in and we're like, here, can you hold him? Can you take him? I have to leave. And I'm like, who are you? Who is this? What am I doing with your dog? You just left him. You didn't like, you just like, just here, take the leash. I have to go away. And I'm like, he's going to be okay. Just, he's like, yeah, he's good with anybody. I'm like, okay. All right. Hi. Yeah. I mean, Oakley, if any, if anyone's listening to our show has met Oakley, he is just like the chillest, most easygoing guy. But I could see how that would confuse someone where I'm like, all right, Oakley, usually I just let him do what he wants to do because he's kind of perfect that way. But um, anyways, this was really funny catching up. I My cheeks are hurting already, but we haven't even gotten to the interview with Stephanie yet. So I, know. I think we should get to that interview with Stephanie and ask her all sorts of questions. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. All right. We are here with Stephanie Strackbein, amazing lady behind What Dogs Want, which is a place where dogs can have a blast doing all kinds of things and focusing on 
enrichment. This is something we're very, very passionate about. She's not only a dog lover, but also a dog expert. She knows how to make dogs happy and healthy by giving them a variety of enrichment, which is pretty much like a Disneyland for dogs. She has a psychology degree from ASU and a bunch of really cool certifications that I'm excited to ask her about in dog behavior and is that mediation. Yes, family dog mediation. Wow. Okay, cool. I, I was actually curious about that. That's oh, cool. I'm excited to hear more about it. Um, and she has been working with dogs for over a decade and has helped thousands of them and their owners. She's been on TV and on podcasts like this one to share her wisdom and passion for enrichment. And she is another ultimate dog mom. And we cannot wait to learn <laughs> more about the amazing things she does for pet parents. So welcome, Stephanie. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's so kind to meet you and nice to be here and let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I would like to guess I learn if, is there anything that we did not mention that's amazing about you that you got you started in your career and how you ended up opening up this facility? Uh, well, how we started was by meeting a dog, probably like most of us have started <laughs> our career is uh, I was working in the behavior department for a shelter and doing evaluations for dogs there. And there was a dog slated to be euthanized for behavior problems. And I took him out, did an evaluation, and he was fantastic. He was a corky Sheltie, and I fostered him, ended up never giving him up because he oh. did our family. <laughs> and he actually created this program for me because he was the first herding dog I ever had. And he was so smart. I knew probably within a week that his behavior problems were just being understimulated, bored, and he would get into trouble because he was looking for things to do. So I started creating these goofy games around the house to play with him and keep him engaged, built our relationship. And then it all just kind of fell into place. I thought, you know, he's not the only dog that was sent to a shelter because he was creating problems for his family. And so he started doing in-home enrichment, like a pet sitting, but with an enrichment twist. And then I rented space from a trainer from a my, friend of mine. She said, would you want to do this on a bigger level and have a group of dogs at a time? And I said, yeah, that'd be fantastic. And that was back in 2008. And now we have 75 dogs who come to wow. our school. Um, I have my own facility in Central Phoenix, run a half acre of land. And that's basically what we're here for. It's to give dogs jobs to do, to give them purpose. Um, it's fun. You know, we don't make them do anything. We have a wide variety of activities. They can do what they want. They don't have to do things that they don't want. If they want to run around the yard and play in the water, that's cool. But there's just a, an element about it where they come, they think they're working at their job and then they go home for the day and we're seeing incredible things like not just better confidence, but more focus, better impulse control, better behavior all around because these dogs have purpose in their life now. You know, these guys were all, sorry, I can go on and on and on. About I this. mean, thing, you're, you're but, on the podcast for a reason. Yes. You want to hear all about it. My mind is but, yeah, I think that. I think a lot of us trainers get started with one of those like more difficult dogs. Honestly, yes. they kind of inspire you to be like, well, I've got to go an extra step for this guy. And, and, I think a lot of people don't always realize how important enrichment can play because they think, all right, well, I've got a high energy dog. I just have to exercise them. Yeah. And so yeah. that makes a really big difference when you realize it's not just physical exercise. It's not just playing fetch or going on a walk. It's so much more than that. And I could have so, used yeah, it. Yeah, that's the hardest thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And, you know, it's just, it's also, you know, I think, cause I think back and I go like, well, my first dog wasn't that difficult, but he did have quite a bit of anxiety. And had I known at the time 
that I could help burn out some of that energy, mental energy before needing to do like short going away from home. That was where his anxiety kind of peaked. I could have incorporated some enrichment, more enrichment in, in the home when I'm trying to step out. And, you know, it just, a lot, there's so many pet owners out there that just don't have that knowledge. It just don't have that understanding that it can be so critical. And so you find enrichment very critical and crucial for a dog's life. They don't always have to be high drive to benefit from it. Absolutely not. We have everything from a six month old cattle dog Husky that just started our program to a 14 year old Yorkie mix. And everybody wants to have purpose and have something to do. And by everybody, I mean, all the dogs, they were all bred for very specific jobs and hardly any of them have those jobs anymore, but that DNA doesn't go away. You know, their brains are still wired for specific things or just to think and solve problems and have some autonomy, which a lot of dogs don't have a lot of choice or freedom in their day. And so we try to provide that by giving them a game and we don't help them too much. It's like, figure it out, encourage. Yes, but they need to figure it out. And once you see those little wheels turning in that light bulb moment, like, Oh my God, I just made that happen. It's just super cool. It's, it's just really uh, reaffirming. And the trend is happening, like enrichment starting to become more popular, but we're still trying to get it to go from just giving them a Kong, which to me is a time killer. And, and they're great. I mean, they're great and have a use, but it's more than that. They've got to think and fail because failure is part of life. And then they can come up with a plan B or a plan C, which all builds confidence. I mean, there's so many layers to it. So um, enrichment is just you know, enhancement, doing more, making them happy, giving them purpose and fun. So there's so much you can do. So I'm going to throw a little curveball question here because it's, my mind is alive with questions. And so what do you do? Cause this is the question I get. Like, so I have a lot of inspiration from like Nina Ottenson. She has amazing like puzzlers, but sometimes I feel like they need to come with like a 200 pound weight. Because like some dogs bulldoze <laughs> yeah. through these things, right? So what do you do for dogs that are bulldozers or destroyers? Well, our big thing at the school is we're always doing the activities with them. Our big thing is it's an interaction. It's a teamwork kind of thing. And that's where it's hard because I know everyone's busy and they can't sit down on the floor and play with their dog for five hours doing these games. But even 15 minutes and they can get tired, 15 minutes of a mental enrichment is like walking a mile. So if you've got one of those puzzlers, sit down on the floor with them and work on it with them. So you can either hold it or you can put it on a non-slip rug so it doesn't slide too easy. We have bulldogs in our program who do want to do that. They don't want to think. They just want to brutalize it. (laughs) And just take it and throw it across the room. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll let them do that sometimes because like, okay, that's your nature. You know, that's cool. And ooh, creative thinking, good for you. (laughs) But then we will hold on to it. And if they start to try to rip it apart, it's like, oh, no, not right now. And then we wait till they settle down and then try it again. So you have to be willing to sit on the floor and work with them. But I think that's part of the coolness factor. It, it increases your bond because you're trying to solve a problem together and you just don't let them brutalize it. You don't have to be mean about it. It's not a punishment. It's just, oh, not like that today. Okay, like this. And then when they start to slow down and be a little more thoughtful, it's like, oh, good job. That's so awesome. Good job. And then and, and you're like, oh. Yeah. And teaching some impulse control naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's basically you're training the dog, right? You're reinforcing the thing that you want them to do. And then you're not punishing, but you're just slowly like, all right, let's take this away for a second and then try this again when you can do it properly. That makes a lot of sense. That's a really good recommendation for dogs that get like that. Thanks. Yeah. 
It's years of practice, you know, figuring this out. (laughs) You're like, I've got this figured out to a science now. So I wanted to ask you a question that I thought was a really interesting question um, because enrichment can be so many different things. Mm -hmm. And so how would you specifically define enrichment? Anything that enhances your dog's life provides a higher quality of life. And so it can be anything from a sniffy walk where they're just enjoying being in the moment with you and learning about their world to a Kong because there's your food enrichment and it is soothing. So that's cool too. And then we have the higher level games that we play where they're actually thinking, trying to figure things out and building confidence and working with you on something. Um, There's so many things, a car ride where if they enjoy (laughs) being in the car and you just roll down the window, that's enriching anything that can make them happy. And it's different for every dog. So that's, we try to tailor the program. We have a general game plan when they come in. Here's our syllabus for the day. But we might have three dogs that really want to do scent discrimination and another one who just wants to play in the splash pads all day. So it's like, okay, that's cool. (laughs) And, you know, we try to expose everybody, like try nose work. You might like it. And if, but if they're just not having it and you can, you know, you learn the signs of frustration or just like, no, I'm not having it today. All right, let's switch to something else. Because if they're not having fun, then we're not doing our jobs right. That's what we're here for. Yeah, I I just love that you said that so much because it really depends on the dog. I remember a couple of years ago, I had a pet sitter, an amazing pet sitter going by my house and my eldest dog. She, I remember she messaged me that day saying like, hey, I came to walk Tucker, but I took him out and he didn't seem like he wanted to go on a walk. So we went for a car ride instead. And I I was like, I was so thrilled that someone thought of that. And the fact that you mentioned that she was like, we just went for a ride in the car and I rolled the windows down and he was sniffing and he looked super happy. And like, it makes me feel like all the feelings because I was like, you know, he's an older dog. And if he didn't want to go on a walk and at that time we lived in a neighborhood where off leash dogs were very prevalent. And so he was like, I don't like this anymore. And the fact that you guys have all those different options for dogs. I don't think people always realize that like enrichment isn't always a food puzzle toy. And so I'm sure we can get so many ideas from you about different ways that we can enrich our dog that don't always have to be giving our dog treats and things all the time. Because some dogs can find that frustrating sometimes if they can't figure mm-hmm. it out. Or they're not um, Especially if a dog gets crazy about food, you know? Yeah, or or yeah. frankly, it's just not rewarding enough. Some dogs don't care yeah. to do that. Um, what I would love to yeah. know is that you mentioned like you have a syllabus when the dog comes in. So I'm trying to like wrap my brain around this oasis you have for your dogs. Now, Right. what what does that look like? Is it like, we're going to start with the first thing, which is a 15 minutes of puzzle play. Then we're going to go outside. Or how does it look like if I were to bring my dog in? It's similar to that. So we have, we never have more than 24 dogs here at a time. We break them into groups of eight. So we have three classrooms. At the most, it was eight dogs per classroom. We've experimented with that. But I feel like at that number, they can still focus well still have some social interaction, but they're not, you know, lost in the crowd. Um, so we'll each of them go into their classroom and one classroom is problem solving. So we might do something where, how do you find a treat that's in or a ball if they're not food motivated, that's in a stack of buckets. How are you going to do that? Or if the bucket's on its side and it's rolling, how are you going to get that treat or ball out of there? So there's problem solving classroom and they're there for about an hour. Um, then we do outside time. So we kind of run around the, re- the recess playground. If the dogs all get along and are evenly matched with play, then sometimes we'll all take recess at the same time. And sometimes we just go with our individual classes. Then we rotate. So each group of dogs gets to work with one of our instructors and gets to participate in problem solving. 
we have a canine fitness expert. So he has a gym and they spend some time in gym class, which is awesome. And then we have an impulse control, focus, creative thinking area. And that could run a, a gamut. The other day they took pool noodles and they had the pool noodles on the ground and just to see what the dogs could come up and think of what to do with a poodle no- pool noodle. Yeah. Wow. So you start with like touching it. Oh, good job. Here's a treat for you. And then you start having a higher criteria as the dogs get used to like, I know there's something I need to do with the pool noodles. And you kind of hold out to see how many different behaviors. So it, it's all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff, but they have three different um, classes that they work in. And then the games usually change every week. So yeah. So do you guys have like, I guess a list of games that you kind of rotate through um, or how does that really work? Like if you have a puppy come in versus a senior dog, do they all work through the same sorts of things or do you have specific customized things for each dog? We have a general syllabus that everybody will do from puppies to seniors. It's just how you present it to them. That would be a little different. And that's where we have all behavior experts on staff. It's, um, Unlike some of the dog daycares, you really have to know more than just managing play. Right. Um, it's it's pretty, there's a lot of levels to it, which makes it really fun. And then you also have to know, okay, that's not working. What am I going to do now to make it successful for the dog without giving them too much help? So we all have the same general games. We do have a few that we do special for puppies. We do a lot of exposure to novelty, um, getting familiar with collar grabs and putting harnesses on. And it's all fun. Lots of games at that it's really it's really fun um and then within that where was I going to go with that so with the the syllabus there's puppies and the seniors and everybody sort of does the same thing I forget where I was going to go with that well you mentioned the collar grabs which was really cool because um a lot of daycare centers really rely on dogs playing interacting with each other and it seems like you guys really prioritize not only the enrichment but like the socialization and the learning that they're actually having through that, especially with puppies, like a a daycare prioritizing something like a collar grab and a puppy. I don't think I, would you be able to explain that in case to any of our listeners are listening and they're not familiar with what a collar grab is and why it would be beneficial for a puppy? Sure. Because it's one of those things that's going to happen when you least expect it. They run out the door that you're about to get themselves into a dangerous situation at some point in life, you're going to have to grab the collar of your dog. And so if it's a fun thing and how we do it is they have the collar on and you start with just putting your hand on the collar and, oh, what a good kid and play, play. We might even do it while they're doing a game. Just have your hand on the collar. It's no big deal. And then we'll start to gradually move them away. Like, oh, good job. Good job. What a good boy. And lots of treats, lots of positive reinforcement, a lot of vocalization. I like to use words and language more than food because you always have that with you and then that can be the cue i mean we had a deaf dog so we all learned thumbs up for good job and now all of us do that it's like good job and the dogs know as soon as they see that thumbs up like i was gonna say i'm sure the dogs probably even if they aren't deaf would respond to you being like good job because they 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 really respond to body language it's so funny facial expressions too yeah well we're on set one of the things i do for my dogs when they're working on set (laughs) and i can't talk to them i go Meaning like, you're yeah. doing great. Keep yeah. it up, buddy. You're doing great. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's really important because food is great, but you can't just, I'm not someone who can just hand out handfuls of food. I want them to do stuff because they want to do it. So all of the games, we might start with some food, but we try to taper it off or we'll have the game set up. And then if they look at us and give us eye contact, then we'll drop in a piece of food. And then if they stop looking at us, 
then it's like, okay, I can assume you, you're done playing, but I don't want to just put food in all the pieces or whatever, because they right. might just be playing it because they want the food. I want to know that they really enjoy what they're doing here. Otherwise, I, that's a great point. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't always realize that, like, sometimes if you're using food, the food can kind of take over and yeah. the dog isn't necessarily thinking and maybe they aren't actually enjoying it. Like you just said, yeah. maybe they're just getting frustrated yeah. about not being able to get the food. I know um, one of my dogs will get give up very easily on food toys and he likes treats. He's not the most food motivated dog in the world. But he gives up because he's like, I can't figure this out. So when you guys yeah. are different, doing different, I guess, puzzle toys or different enrichment activities, what's your typical go-to move? If you see that the dog isn't really wanting to engage in it or they're starting to get a little bit frustrated, what do you usually do about that situation? Um, take it down a notch. So one of the games we did last week was we took uh, cardboard boxes and we put one cardboard box on the ground, drop the treat in. Because even sticking your head in a box can be really terrifying for some dogs. Yeah. So we got that. Once they start to be comfortable with that, then the second box goes on top. So let's put the treat in the second box. And it's kind of fun to see how high you can get the stack of boxes. And the more senior students, we had one that got up to 15 boxes. She like wow. jumped up. And she knocked the box that was underneath and it was like Jenga. And I'm like, that was brilliant. So, wow. Honestly, I think my dog Whiskey would just launch herself at the whole thing and they would just be like, and that's everywhere. okay. You know, for that game, we kind of like to see what they come up with. How are you going to get that? Because you're not going to scale the, the boxes. Some of them will try. But when you see them like stop trying, then we either take it down to the last box that they were really successful at. Or you can move the the food right on the very, very edge of the box so it's not as scary. They don't have to put their head in. So it just kind of is based on the game. But in general, you knock it down to their last successful level or make it a little easier so you're not giving them the treat. They still are kind of figuring it out. But you're making it easy and you in on success, and that's where we stop for the day. And that's and a lot of, later. and it's a lot of good exposure work. I mean, think about boxes falling down. Some dogs, mm -hmm. like anything that crashes or hits the ground around them could be a little bit of a trigger to be nervous, but like what a great round yeah. of exposure to sounds and things moving and things falling and making it all very much positive based. And like, so not on, to on top of that, you're doing like enrichment to find, you know, find the treat or do the game, but they're also learning like how to work with people they don't know and how to be around yeah. other dogs and how to be in new places without mom and dad. And that yeah. that's a lot of stuff that can be lost in the fray you know, we went through COVID, everyone's really close to their pets. And now people are going back to work and have been back to work. And we're seeing a lot of dogs come out with the separation anxiety and other things like that. So you're giving a massive amounts of confidence away from the home. We're trying. And we did yeah. have a flood of dogs come in right after everybody started <laughs> oh, going back. Oh yeah. I'm sure. Hurting dogs. Everybody got hurting dogs because they're pretty and oh, they're so smart. It's like, Oh my God! But now they're not going. <laughs> you don't realize you don't realize smart doesn't always translate well to being chill in the house. That's one thing people don't oh always God. realize. So here's yeah. a great question for you that I'm because I'm trying to think of you in a business standpoint. So what for you is probably one of the hardest walls to break down to the general pet parent with your business when it comes to like this is worth your time. This is worth your pet's time. Do you find that you Just, have a big wall that you kind of have to tear down to get through? We do. And more so 10 years ago when we started, everyone was like, what's an enrichment center? Are you a trainer? 
No, it's not training reinforcement maybe and learning about your dog, but um, just understanding how important that mental engagement is. And it's getting better. It's a little more trendy. Um, A lot of uh, popular trainers like yourselves are now talking about enrichment and the importance of it. Even just sniffy walks, like that's a pretty common thing now. When at the time when I started, no one knew what that was. And we would go to these fairs and uh, festivals and people would say, well, why does my dog need to learn how to problem solve? It's like, oh my God, it's not like they have to drive the car. Right. But Do again, I want them solving uh, problems in my house? <laughs> yeah. But it's like meeting their needs because again, it all goes back to their genetics. Like we made them for specific tasks that mm-hmm. 98% of these dogs probably do not do now. Mm-hmm. And so we need to replace those jobs with new jobs. Yeah. And it's really important to them. It's just like if you were to be abducted and taken to a different planet <laughs> where they really loved you, but they really didn't know that much about you. And they, okay, people like to watch TV and they stuck you in front of a TV. Well, if I had to watch Golden Girls forever, I would <laughs> oh my die. God. No offense, Golden Girls people. Well, it's even like eating the same thing all the time, right? We start getting bored of the same thing over and over again. And I think what you're doing is so cool and so incredible. And I kind of want to know personally, and also maybe for our listeners at home too, what are some things that maybe they can do? Because we're not in Phoenix. If we were, honestly, my dogs would be going to you like (laughs) multiple times a week. But what are some things that maybe you would suggest for us to try at home. Cause I know a lot of us have a certain amount of puzzle toys, right? And then we rotate through those toys, but maybe we run out of ideas or things that we can do with our own dogs at home. And I love the idea of sniffy walks and other things, but are there certain things that you would recommend or suggest to people that want to do more of this with their dogs at home? Oh yeah. There's so many things you can do. And most of them don't require expensive props or anything like that. Um, first of all, go to our Instagram page. We try to get as much video as we can of the dogs doing activities on our Instagram page. And we try to explain what we're doing so you can look at it as sort of a tutorial. And we're always happy to answer questions. We have people say, okay, so my dog didn't want to stick my head, their head in that box. So how did you get to that next level? We are happy, happy, happy to answer all questions because that's what we're here for is to get dogs to do more stuff and you to do more stuff with your dogs. Equally important. Um, So start there. Uh, You can do 10 different games using a towel. You have a towel on the ground, drop in a piece of kibble or a favorite toy, roll it up, let your dog figure out how to get it out. And once they've mastered that, you make the folds more complicated. You add 15 towels and there's just a toy or a treat in one towel and Mm -hmm. let them figure that out. I mean, that'll knock them out. If you do that for 15, 20 minutes, they're going to be sleeping the rest of the day. You can put that towel. I need that for myself. I need that for my own portion (laughs) control. That would be like, you know, make me work work for my meal. I'll be like, Ooh, I'm done. That was fine. The half half a bagel. That was great. I'm good. Oh my gosh. You're making me hungry. I, I really like that you mentioned using household items too, because we a lot of times think we have to buy the next toy or do the next thing to in order to give our dogs something more fun to do. But you can make things more difficult even just by like, putting it in a cardboard box and closing the box. And then all of a sudden it's this new toy they have to figure out. Like you said, 10 different games with a towel. Everyone has a towel in their house. I knew someone that got like, I knew someone that got like a sandbox just for their dogs, like in the backyard, like a digging station. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you (laughs) go ahead, dig, have fun. You know, I just yesterday did like a baby pool and like put toys. They had to like fish them out. Like there's so many outdoor activities. 
Yes. I love those ball pits or that you put toys in it. We've got a bottle pool. So empty water bottles, caps and the little plastic thing. Cause that makes a lot of noise when they jump in there. And the first time they're like, Oh my God. But then it's like, but my favorite toys in there. So then they go back in there. So we kind of do weird stuff, pool noodles, weird stuff for them to feel and hunt through. It's so like you, you have endless. this like massive oasis. You're getting all these people to come in. You've had a great syllabus, but I feel like for you, this is probably just the beginning. So where, where do you want to go next with what you're doing? Is there an area that you want to expand? Do you have a goal set to do a little bit more in one area or build something? Um, we are going to start doing online classes because we are just yeah. in Phoenix and we do cap our class we've got a waiting list now people want in still and like I'm sorry we're full and we really don't want to go over our 24 because it just changes the dynamics too much it's not as fun so online classes that way you can learn how to do these things with your pets we might even do some like work with us online we're looking at how to do that really effectively Um, I'm not the most tech savvy but I've got some people I know who are so we'll be talking and maybe even pop-up events. Like go to cities that I've had a lot of people say, you need to go to San Diego. I'm like, I know. I was just in San Diego. I'm like, we would kill here. There's mm-hmm. so many. Oh my gosh. If you come Maryland, over to the East Coast, please. we will be there oh, because I want to learn all the things from you. I was just like scrolling through your Instagram and some of the things that you guys come up with are so, so clever. And honestly, <laughs> like, I'm inspired by you and by your facility. And if we can learn more from you, from your website or classes, things like that, I would absolutely love to. So with that being said, is there somewhere, sorry, my dog whiskey is ready for enrichment camp. She wants to play. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you're talking about games. Where are these games guys? Sorry, my bad. Um, But is there somewhere that people can learn more about what you do and uh, whiskey can learn more about some games that we could play at home? Yes, our Instagram is just at what dogs want. Very simple. Our website is what dogs want academy dot dog. Um, and then there's ways to contact me on both of those uh, areas. So social media and I'm happy to email people personally, directly, whatever. So great. So we could leave awesome. today with like your one last thought to the general pet parent out there. What would you want to say to them? Just sit down and do stuff with your dog. That's truly what dogs want. The, the frisbees are fun. The fetch is fun, but they really just want to sit and play with you, play more with your dog. And we incorporate that into our school too. We have all these activities and the water areas, but I'm also working with my staff, like just grab a couple of dogs and go outside and play with them. Just get silly and run around and play tag because that's what they really like too. That engagement is so important. And I don't, sadly see enough of that you know we're so busy people walk but they're on their phones it's like just engage with your dog and I guarantee you will see far less behavior problems that's, well that's a great note oh my goodness and I, that's wonderful. like one of the things that I'm most passionate about too where I'm just like just be with your dog it doesn't have to be a formal training session it doesn't have to be like so strict you know re- regimen with your dog the more yeah. you can just like be with your dog and be silly with them and be creative yes. with them I think this type of stuff too makes people have more fun and not think so much about like, all right, they have to sit down and stay. It's more about we're just having fun together, getting to know each other and really just having a good time together. And that's what being a dog mom is all about. So I'm really, really honored to have you on our show. This has been so great chatting with you. Thank you, Steph. We need to 
Thank you. To Phoenix and uh, see your facility. That would be amazing. And for all of our listeners out there, we are so grateful to have Stephanie here. Be sure to check out What Dogs Want. Thank you. Thank you. I feel inspired. I feel like I'm going to go and make sure that I give more enrichment to my pups now and be more creative. (laughs) I need that creativity. And I think you just led me down a path of, of learning more than just the food toys. And that's, that's something that I could definitely improve upon. So thank you. And it's fun for you guys too. (laughs) Yes. And now we need you to come over to Maryland or Virginia. And (laughs) I know if if I'm going to Arizona, I'm absolutely stopping by. I've got to see this place in person. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that was a great interview. Now we're moving on to some questions from our audience. And again, if you guys want to send in something and you want us to chat about it or you have an idea for us, go to Dog Moms by dogtv.com forward slash the dog moms. And there's a cool feature where you can basically just record from your phone, which I think is super helpful. So let's kick it off and see what we have from our audience this week. Hi, my name is Josh. My question to you is what are some of the funniest or most memorable moments that you have shared with your dog? Thanks. Ooh, that's a good one. Funniest Funniest and most memorable. Oh my gosh. I'm going to let you start because I have like too many stories. I have to pick one. I'm going to go with most memorable for me. Funniest Man, I'm sure there are many, but for me, most memorable is really hitting home. And it's probably because my dog Beasley is getting a little bit older. And so I'm reflecting a lot on some of the things we've done together. He has started it all for me. And I think one of my most memorable is when we won the national stunt dog championship. I was there. You guys were so good. Thank you. Well, it was... Oh, it was like, you know, we, we decided to take a story with tricks. We all had to perform stories with our tricks and tie in certain rules that we had to follow for the judges. But I thought was really powerful is that I decided to do something that was really near and dear to me, which was like mental health and having self-esteem. And so, um, Beasley changed my life coming from like an area of depression to like finding my journey today. And so I decided to take that story and make it relevant to how everybody could feel with their dogs. And, um, and we ended up winning that competition and it was obviously it spoke to everyone that was there because we were all, we were all feeling it and then you won and it was, yeah. and I'm not a big winner. Like I'm always used to being second or something. So the fact that we had won that was kind of mind blowing at the same time. And it just, it just like, proved to me that we were on our right path to impacting yeah, people. Yeah, and I think it spoke to everyone there and it just really yeah. showed everyone like where your heart is. That's yeah. so sweet. I was going to tell a funny story. You and should. You I love your like poop stories. I, it's close you to do. a poop story. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh I my mean, gosh, it's not this sweet like, oh, about like mental health, um, but I guess it could tie into that. Um, so for our listeners, if you don't know, I have a service dog. Um, my service dog is Oakley, is currently 10. I'm training my service dog whiskey potentially to I'm training whiskey to take over his job. Um, but he's the best dog in the entire world. So don't get me wrong. Okay. He's the best service dog ever, but I have a funny story where we went to like a club type place. I'm not a big like partier, but we got invited to go to this Halloween party in a club and it was like a dance club. Everyone's going and I brought Oakley and we were the Scooby-Doo gang. So like everyone was dressed up as Scooby-Doo. Oakley was Scooby-Doo. It was great. We're in the room and Oakley had the worst, I mean, the worst farts. Like it was so bad when you say clear the room farts, like they had a couple of rooms and every room we went into ended up getting cleared out because, because Oakley was farting so bad and we were all just trying to like, not get upset by it. 
I'm pretty sure my eyes were watering. If you don't know, this is also, we have a dog mom show on dog TV and we filmed together and Oakley was lying by me and I'm pretty sure my eyes were watering and my throat was burning when he laid one on the couch. I don't know why, but when he gets these farting spells, they are bad. So yeah, uh, Chrissy's not exaggerating, but we were like, imagine just like in a packed room with people dancing, right? Everyone's having a good time and then they're they're all like starting to leave. Scatter! It was very embarrassing, but it was very funny. And I was like, guys, I swear it's the dog. I swear it's not me. Um, It was definitely really funny. Everyone was talking about it for quite some time after. (laughs) All right, let's get to the next question before I go on with more fart and poop stories. So, (laughs) Hi, Chrissy and Amber. Good luck with your new podcast. My question to you is, how do you adapt to your dog's changing needs as they grow older, such as diet, exercise, healthcare, etc.? Thanks again. That is a great great question. Thanks, Lisa. We hope the podcast goes well, too. I know know Chrissy has a dog that's getting older. I have two dogs that are getting older, and I'm not going to lie. It's kind of hard. It's very emotional, too, watching your dog that used to want to do everything kind of slow down a little bit. And I think one of the things that I did first and foremost, before changing routine and changing diet and changing, you know, what we do together is I had to change my mindset. And that was something that was really difficult for me for a while is I had to start realizing my eldest dog, Tucker, couldn't do the hikes that I was doing with him as much anymore. And it was hard for me to not bring him because I felt guilty for leaving him behind. And I wanted to bring him along, but I was just noticing that it was physically harder for him. And he's the kind of dog that will do anything I ask him to do, even if it causes him detriment. And so I had to be really careful not making him do harder things and longer hikes. Um, So once I changed my mindset and I started to focus on what would be good for the two of us to do together separately, I I designated some time to do something just the two of us. Um, Diet wise, I mean, obviously talk to your vet about that, but I know healthcare, your your dog usually has to get visited at the vet twice as often as they usually do when they're younger. So they should go to the vet every six months at least. Um, But yeah, I just had my activities with him change drastically because I started focusing on what he likes to do and what he can physically do. And so not as strenuous hikes, but we do a lot more scent work at home where like we talked about in this episode today, we do different enrichment games. And sometimes I'll just walk him without the other dogs that are Mm -hmm. younger Oh, so yeah. he can take his time and he could sniff and he can do what he wants to do. Um, and that has really changed our relationship a lot because I feel like I'm not putting that pressure. <laughs> the young dogs are talking, but I feel like I'm not putting that pressure on him to try and keep up with the other dogs anymore. And that has been really, really helpful for me. So I know Chrissy has one of her dogs that's been getting older too. So I'm curious to say hear what she's going to this is my little well. troublemaker who is my youngest of the group, but he's the one that was yapping. Not not the older dog. My no. youngest dog is tapping me Hi, right buddy. now too. Well, my old dogs and are being know, so good. And that's what it is. Like we're the dog moms. We're here at the podcast. You're going to see our dogs. You're going to hear our dogs. They're part of our life. You know, it's just how it is going to be. And I think you guys all know you have those dogs who bark in the middle of the day at everything and at nothing. Um, yeah. I will say that <laughs> I had to learn a very, very, and it's like probably the biggest lesson I've learned this year alone. And it really humbled me. I wish I could remember where I heard this. I had to start deciding. I have a dog hair on my nose and it is tickling me. (laughs) It's just, it's there. I can feel it. Um, I had to start deciding, was I doing this to fulfill my emotional need 
Or was I, am I doing it to fulfill my dog's emotional need? Was it just for me? Or was it like when I hike the dogs, bringing them all together is easier. I have a very packed schedule. I'm emotionally taking them all on bigger hikes. That was fulfilling what I needed. But if it left Beasley more sore, because he's a little arthritis, or he couldn't keep up, or it was like exerting him, I need to emotionally decide, like I need to find out that it's not about what I need, it's what he needs. And so finding other activities, like you said, like creating more one-on-one time, and that's a big one too, because he starts to feel pushed away with the high energetic younger dogs. And I don't like that and I can see it, I can notice it. So it's about like me recognizing what he needs more and of course, adjusting it into our life. We still all hike together, but I'm not gonna take him on that five, six, seven mile hike that I used to be able to do. And I think it's just, if I could say something today, it's emo- find out, are you, even the way you give your dog attention, are you doing it because you emotionally like the what how it makes you feel? I hear whiskey in the background. Yep. Is she crying? <laughs> well, I hear you, whiskey. Um, is, it, is it emotionally fulfilling what you want? Like the you get the love and cuddles, but your dog's not really enjoying it. So is there a different way you can interact with your dog so that your dog enjoys that more? And I think that goes the same with a dog that's getting older. And also making life changes. I mean, not just diet, but like I'm going to buy a ramp so my dog can get up and out of the van easier instead of, well, me lifting is hurting my back. So, you know, making these adjustments so that when we do the things we can do together, I'm preserving him as best as possible. He goes to underwater treadmill. We do joint injections. Like I'm, I'm changing our lifestyle together and changing yeah. his lifestyle. A, a lot of things end up changing with an older dog. And I think yeah. that the biggest thing, like takeaway, I think we both really hinted on it is what is in the best interest of the dog and right. trying to not let our own you know, I want to do this with my dog. That that makes a big difference. Yeah. All right. Well, let's we have the one next more one. question. Yeah, let's go. Hi, moms. My name is Nate. I'm from Portland, Maine. My question to you is, how do you balance your work and personal life with your dog's needs? Thanks, Amber. Thanks, Chrissy. I'll kick this Hi, one Hi, Nate. Yeah, yeah, Chrissy. Well, Ooh. one thing I want to say before people uh, hear our answers is that our jobs, we are very fortunate in that our work does also resonate around our dogs. And so um, we are very lucky in that scenario that our dogs get to be included in a lot of things. So I just want to mention that before because I know a lot of people don't get that, you know, that privilege of being able to work with their dogs as well like we do. That's right. If you want to kind of recap on that, we do set work, we do live performances, workshops, demos, like our dogs come with us. However, <laughs> however, we have families at home and, and you yeah. know, I have a daughter, Elowen, who's six, you're about to have a little nugget yourself at the end of this year. And, you know, your life is going to change a lot with your family time and what that means. And, you know, we, I have to be very, very, very aware of how I balance everything to make sure my daughter, my husband, we get our family time as well as fulfilling my dog's needs. I will say, to be honest, something that I do is Monday through Friday when my daughter's at school, I am, I'm definitely working the dogs and making sure they're getting fulfilled while the time that my family is out and about. So what then when they come home, I can shift gears and be present for my family and my dogs are satisfied with work and enrichment. However, I will say that I do like to take Sundays and make it a no do nothing day so that yeah. I'm not pressured to leave the home with my dogs to go exercise them, which takes me away from my family time. So Sundays are a uh, dogs are going to be bored, but that's okay. You need to learn how to be bored sometimes. You can't be doing everything every single day and also gives them a chance to rest and recuperate while me making sure I'm present and there for my family so that we can go and enjoy and do things together. Yeah, I have a similar setup um, where I try to prioritize 
you know, a block of time for my dogs and my cats, you know, <laughs> have to mention them every time, but I try to prioritize a block of time, um, for them specifically. And then especially on weekends, my weekends are usually open to maybe one day I'll do a dog sport competition. We'll do something, but then Sundays is family day. And sometimes we include the dogs, but sometimes we don't. And my dogs are kind of used to, you know, sometimes we stay at home and we don't do something fun at least a day or two. And so I do have a couple of days during the week where I try to not only give them what they need, but I also have days where I have down days and off days and rest days so that my dogs are more used to like, if our schedule does change or if we don't have something going on that day, you know, maybe just going on a walk today is our activity and that's okay. But that's also really where enrichment comes into play. And so I'm glad that we had that episode. So um, I had this episode in this interview, which was really, really helpful. We have so many ideas and that can be a great way to kind of balance your actual life rather than just your dog's life and your work life as well. So that was a really awesome interview. And I want to thank Stephanie again for coming on the podcast. It was a great episode. And this is the end of our episode. So we do want to remind you guys that we have a new episode every Monday and we're going to have another special guest on our next episode that we get to listen to and ask lots of questions too. Yes. And be sure again, if you have ideas, questions, your own funny stories, we want to hear them. So go to dogtv.com forward slash the dog moms, and you can record your idea right through mobile. You can just be walking around, walking your dog. Let us know what you saw or what you're thinking about. We are open-minded and we want to hear from you. So be sure to include some of your favorite stories, thoughts, or questions by going there and dropping us a message. Yes. And if you guys like this episode and you want to hear more about it and you absolutely love it, be sure to leave us a review because if you give us a good review, then people will also get to hear from this awesome podcast. So if you guys enjoyed it, please leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, and you can follow us on social media for more updates, of course, on the podcast and when the new episodes come out. Thank you guys. We hope to see you next week. And remember, go out there and have fun with your dog. Bye.